Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Good morning, good morning. All right, folks, we're going to get into the word. Okay, if you could grab your, your coffee, grab a seat. We're going to jump into it. It is uh, just such a blessing to see so many of you here. I see a lot, of, a lot of faces, new faces, and just want to welcome you guys here. My name is Ben Wickle. I'm one of the pastors. And if you're new here or just visiting from out of town, uh, if I could boil into really three parts what our church is about. Uh, number one is like what we sung, uh, we want to live continually in the outrageous love of God, receiving His love, knowing His love, experiencing His love, and out of the abundance of that, we, we love others. And then loving others, we do what He told us to do. Jesus told us to go make disciples. Those are really the three, if you could boil down what our church is about in those three words, it's to love God, love others, and make disciples. And speaking of making disciples, we've... Um, been in a, a, a series this summer that we've entitled Called and Commissioned. And we're going to have some, some incredible people share this morning their stories, their testimonies. And b- before they jump in, I want to just go over just a couple emphases of what we've been talking about, what we've been highlighting these past several weeks, in case you've missed it, in case you haven't been here. Uh, number one is that we're, as followers of Jesus, we are called to disciple our city, our region, the nations, our nation. Acts 1.8, Jesus says that you, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be empowered by my presence so that you would be, be a witness of my resurrection in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's what, the primary reason for the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that we would bear witness of his resurrection. And we have to own our city. We have to own this city. Like, our Jerusalem is Raleigh. That's right. And if you don't, if you look at the news and you don't like what's happening in your city, that's on us. Like, we got to own it. And that's what we're talking about is how do we, how do we make disciples of Jerusalem? And we see culture transform when, and this is our, our second emphasis the past couple weeks, is that we begin to Let's see, all of you guys, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, you guys are disciple makers. You're in full-time ministry. It's not just me or Pastor Steve doing the full-time ministry. No, every single follower of Jesus is a full-time minister, and every place that you're called to go is a mission field. And when we begin to own that and think like that, then we're going to begin to infiltrate our society and, and, and see the kingdom advanced. And that brings us to really our, our, our goal for this series is that, uh, that you guys would be in, equipped, envisioned, empowered, whatever you want to call it, to own the vocation that you're in. Now, we all have different vocations, and we've been highlighting different vocations. Last couple of weeks, we've talked about the nations. We've talked about being a, a dad on Father's Day. Uh, today, it's going to be about business, marketplace, workforce. Uh, next week, we're going to go into the creative industry. A couple weeks, I hope to have some folks uh, come who are experts in healthcare. 
One week we'll do education. So we're highlighting different vocations, and leaders are going to come up and share their story because we want uh, you guys to have language and, and be inspired about what it, God is doing. So if you are in one of those places, like if you're in business and a lot of us have a job, or if you're a student, or if you're you know, in healthcare, you can be envisioned to go, yes, I want to own what God is calling me to do. Uh, I, I heard a really good quote this morning. I was reading by a, um, a British evangelist, Rodney Smith, once said, there are five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. Most people will never read the first four. But they're going to see our lives. So that brings us to today, and we're highlighting the, the workforce. Marketplace ministry, it's one of the biggest mission fields. If you think about, you know, most of us have jobs. We work a nine to five, or some of us work more than that or less than that. But there's just, we spend a lot of time in this place called business or, or, or the marketplace. And I've, we got a, a, just a really good group of leaders who are uh, doing it. They are full-time marketplace ministers. And I thought this was really cool. If you go back in the book of Acts, 39 out of the 40 supernatural miracles that we see in the book of Acts, 39 out of 40 do not happen in the four walls of the church or the temple. They're in the streets. They're in the marketplace. They're where you guys are going to be. So, got some really cool people up here. And uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just start on that end over there and just start with an introduction. I know a lot of you guys know these people up here. But just let's just, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear your testimonies. And I mentioned this last week. When we hear the testimonies of what Jesus is doing in their place, the Bible talks about how hearing the testimony of Jesus, it is a prophetic power that emerges in us to go, ooh, do it in my life too. So that's what this is about. We want to hear the stories. But let's start with you, TJ. I know a lot of people know you guys, but start with you, TJ. Introduce yourself and sort of maybe what some of the ways you serve in this church, but then tell us, like, what you do for a living, and then we'll go through it with the rest of you guys. Marvelous. Hey, good morning. How you feel? It's good to see you, people of God. My name is Thomas Lee T.J. Johnson. I am espoused to Amanda Johnson. You guys are having <laughs> another baby, right? And we have a baby on the way. Yeah. <laughs> If it wasn't meant to be public, it is now. So. <laughs> and <laughs> we lead the South Raleigh-Garner Community Group, and uh, we are delighted to, to serve. And I am the CEO and founder and inventor of AgileImmersive.com and also a Hollywood-represented screenwriter. Awesome. We're going to hear more about it in just a second, but let's keep going. Wow. You hate to follow that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Brad Jackson, um, led life group here for seven years, um, also serve as an elder and uh, serve in our healing and deliverance ministry called RTF, which I love. And so, yeah, um, I have three businesses currently. They're all contracting businesses, so I run uh, three different contracting businesses. It's hard to follow both of you. 
um, Annie Oman, and I am a life group leader and elder here at Antioch, and we've been um, attending here for about eight and a half years. So, been that's right, one one of the OG. <laughs> when we came here to Antioch, we were like, we're definitely going to be the oldest people here. So I appreciate all of you that are older than me coming. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see here. I am the VP of Brand Strategy and Customer Experience at a global software company. Awesome. Hello, my name's Chris. I, I teach sales for a San Francisco-based technology company um, at Antioch. I help lead our prayer team. Awesome. Wow. So I try to get some diversity in terms of what you guys do. Some of you own your own businesses. Some of you have bosses. Some of you are the boss. So it's, I felt like it was really good to get just a, a diversity of experiences because there's a, obviously a diversity of experiences in the congregation. But let's begin a little bit, TJ. I love hearing the stories of how people come to uh, understand that their, that their vocation is more than just a job. It's more than just a paycheck. It's more than just a, um, you know, just a means of, of living. Share a little bit about maybe your story, the background of how the, the Lord began to reveal to you that yet your vocation or business or you know, marketplace was, was actually a ministry. It was a calling. Uh, graduated from the United States Air Force Academy, class of 95. <laughs> uh, Listen, as an Air Force officer, a young officer, uh, I had no idea that Christ and kingdom was a part of my vocation. Um, if anyone has experienced military culture, you know uh, how profane and, <laughs> uh, and how ungodly uh, the military culture can be, frankly. Uh, and so there was a disconnect. Uh, it wasn't until Frankly, 9-11-2001, I was supposed to be uh, in room 5E-172 of the Pentagon at 9.30 a.m., uh, which if you, anyone knows, that is exactly where the plane hit. Uh, and so, I mean, that was a moment where I was supposed to be in a blast area and my alarm clock didn't work that specific morning. So that was a wake up. <laughs> for me, <laughs> that maybe God has something more for me than just being what I thought I needed to be. And so that just crushed my understanding of what God could do, how he could do it, and he could use me even where I was uh, in a profane military culture at the time. Uh, and so that's where it started. Yeah. Um... I'd say for me, uh, so went through high school just really being crazy, a crazy guy, doing everything that uh, shouldn't be doing. And so like a week before graduation, I uh, was in my room, and I really just uh, heard from the Lord saying, you need to drop all this and follow me. And, uh, and, so, and so I did. I just got wrecked in my room. Um, asked Jesus to come in my heart. I'm following you. I'm going to serve you. Um, it was just a crazy time. And so all that week, I spent a ton of time in my room just reading the Bible constantly, praying constantly. 
you know, I canceled the party that I was actually leading, graduation party, canceled my trip to Cancun, senior trip to Cancun, um, and I'm just like, I'm done. All the friends were calling me saying, where are you? You know, what are you doing? And so in that time, other than that call from the Lord of salvation, um, was the first time I heard from the Lord was this. And I, I think it's important for me to read it because I, uh, one of the, uh, I heard a, I heard a um, Tony Evans actually say, he's awesome, I listen to him a lot. He said he ordains a lot of ministers in, um, in his church in a lot of places. And he says a lot of times when they come, they, they uh, tell you what they know, tell you, I guess, um, defend their what? Dissertation, um, whatever that's called. And, and so, but he doesn't really ask those questions. The one thing he asks is, why are you called? Who called you? Why are you called? He makes them tell them how they are called because that really sustains you. Like if, if you hear from the Lord your calling, no matter what's going on, storms or whatever, then that is really what sustains you is the Lord. And so I didn't, I didn't know anything about hearing from the Lord at all. So I was just reading the Bible constantly. And I came to this. It was 1 Thessalonians 4, um, verse 9. I'm going to read verse 9 through 12. Um, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. And so when that verse 11 came, I started shaking. I started crying. I was like, I know that this is from the Lord. I don't know what his voice sounds like, but I know it's from the Lord. Um, and so it was, it was a call to business. And when I read that part, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, it, it just, it, it was his calling to say. And, the, and then further from that is, I, I want you to glorify me in business. That is going to be one of your top, callings outside of being a husband and being a father and being a family man. That is what, where I'm going to use you greatly. And so I hang on to that calling in, in a lot of tumultuous times that I've had within my business life. So, yeah. Amen. Thanks for sharing, Brad. Andy, how about you? Yeah. So in terms of seeing my vocation as ministry, I think that I've always looked at it that way. I was a stay-home mom for many, many years, and absolutely, that was my all-time favorite job. It was wonderful. Um, but even then, you know, out and about as a pastor's wife in the community thinking, this is my opportunity to honor the Lord, to, to bring, to draw others to Him. So, so I saw that vocation as a ministry as well, obviously to my children, but also to my community. So it, was, it wasn't a huge stretch when I went back into the workforce to see, um, to see that as an opportunity to honor God, to glorify God, to grow His kingdom. So I, I would say the excitement for me was, you know, as a pastor's wife, sometimes you can go through an entire week and not ever see another unbeliever. 
So to be launched into a secular uh, work environment where you're just surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, it's just an incredible opportunity. So I was really excited about the, the fertile ground there and an opportunity to, to walk out my faith and my witness in, in that scenario. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, there were three main times in which I really felt like God showed me more about the purpose of Christians in the workplace. And the first one was when God started showing me about radical giving. And the verse in particular that struck out to me is, if anyone gives even a cup of water to the littlest of these who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. And what I realized is that as Americans, we're already in the top 1% of income earners worldwide. And if I were to give my tithe, my income internationally, then I could stretch it further. And now all of a sudden, as an American, it was actually very easy for me to give away 50, 100,000 cups of water. Uh, so that's one thing. The other two things is I realized that it was actually really, really, really great place to share the gospel. And number three, this is going to sound a little bit more different, but um, I realized that when you have ineffective leadership in a group, how it really destroys 30, 50, 100 people's lives. And as someone who would teach these people. I was the person who onboarded many of these employees, and they come in excited, happy. And if there's ineffective leadership, in two months, they're stressed out, they're depressed. In five months, we have to put them on performance plans and fire many of these people. And it wasn't the fault of the worker. It was the fault of the leadership. After I realized that in a, if we do not have good leadership in many of these key positions, then we can't bring in kingdom blessing into groups of people. Um, and, and so I do feel like there is a call to leadership in the workplace, like Joseph, like Daniel, to build out blessing for hundreds of thousands of people. Amen. I, I loved how there was really a theme as you guys were sharing, is that, and that this is the Lord is speaking. And he is wanting to speak to each and every one of us about what's he calling us to, why is he calling us. Some of you guys, were, were you positioned yourself to hear from the Lord by being in the Word of God, which is amazing. Some of you, it was just the sovereign grace of God just to, to kind of wake you up. So really, really cool. I, I want to, here's the next question, and this is really the kind of the heart of, of this topic, and that is, in your specific context position, what does it look like to be a witness of Jesus? Like, some of you are going to have differing layers of freedoms to be able to share your faith or, and so in your specific context, what does it look like to advance the kingdom, to see Jesus glorified or to be a witness of who he is? And TJ, we'll start with you. Absolutely. So as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, my current businesses uh, are not, my, my current business success was not how I started, you know, 15 years ago. So I had years, like seven years of failure living under the poverty level homeless, broke, disgusted, busted, <laughs> fill in the blank. Um, so in that moment, in those, in those years of disappointment, in that, those years of crushing, Jesus Christ was forming his mind in me. And so 
1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. Our minds cannot conceive of the greatness of God. And so the answer to your question directly for me is God had to crush me, get me out of the way, so that even though it's TJ's body you see, it is no longer I that live, it is Christ who lives in me. It is the mind of Christ that's addressing clients. So even if I'm talking about the total addressable market of one of my clients, and I'm helping them with kingdom, I'm helping them with secular strategy to acquire seven million, seven million new clients, 1.4 billion in revenue. And I'm talking very, you know, you know, MBA finance kind of language. The mind of Christ is forming the words. Kingdom is coming through. Kingdom principles seep through the cracks when you're broken. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God will do for those who love him. Amen. TJ, I got a follow-up. You talk about the disappointment, the years of disappointment in business. A lot of us, if not all of us, can relate to being in jobs that we don't like or it's a stepping stone job or there's failures. What encouragement? You talk about hearing the mind of the Lord or having the mind of the Lord kind of infused in you. What did that look like? Do you have like a specific little incident or maybe just a lesson the Lord was speaking to you in that moment as, as a form of encouragement to a lot of us who may be in a place of disappointment in our business? Oh, absolutely. And I, Chris, I love what you said. Uh, a quick anecdote is one of my companies, okay, I was being an entrepreneur and I had a, a, you know, a kind of a salary job and my boss was horrible, horrible. Every bad habit, every bad leadership technique, every thing you can conceive of in terms of negative leadership, he exhibited. And in that moment, it was actually early in our marriage, in that moment, I would come home, Amanda's shaking her head over there, I would come home like weeping, stressed out, and like I'd fall on the floor prostate, God, why am I here? You promised me you would prosper my companies, and I'm in this wicked circumstance. And the Lord, was, the Lord would just speak to me, grace, my grace is sufficient for you. He will give peace past understanding. Believe that he is who he says he is. Now, when you're in the crush, that doesn't feel good, but you know you're going to get promoted from the crush when you have the peace that passes understanding and a horrible boss. Amen. Hey, Brad, Chris said he wanted to follow up with it. I, I just wanted to tack on that God crushed me too. And what, the, reason, the reason why Amanda mentioned this is because I know that there are many people here that are in a similar situation. And the good news is that if you read the story of Joseph and David, this is a biblical pattern to prepare you for something much more. Um, so I just wanted to tack on that for around seven years, uh, I had bosses that would 
bring me into their office and just yell at me for an hour for no reason and just absolutely hysterical things. But I realized what God was doing. And because I realized what God was doing, I had hope and I realized he was preparing me for something else. Brad, did you want to tackle I think he wants to answer the question. But yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's good, Chris. Yeah, um, that's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, you look at, if you look at David, you look at Abraham, you look at all the, the people of faith, I think David, when he was prophesied over that he was going to be king, he, that was 15 years until he became king. And you all know what David went through. I mean, that was, that was horrible. That doesn't even compare anything I've been through. I mean, it's crazy. But then, you know, Abraham, right? It was 25 years. He was 75 years old, promised to be a father of many nations, and he did not get Isaac until he was 100 years old. So 25 years from the promise. And what did Abraham go through? Abraham went through crushing his identity and in in the promise, right? Like when you get a promise from God, he has to carry you from, your identity is not in the promise or the calling or anything except for him. Only in the promise or not in the promise. And, and, and that is, I think, the biggest thing that I learned of going through trying to make it happen like Abraham did where I got the promise, man, I was... I was two years later, three years later at a real estate table getting ready to buy $2 million worth of property. And, and my wife was in there and she was, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And I was like, no, I got this. I'm an entrepreneur. I've been called by God. I got this. <laughs> and, and, and what happened? Total failure. But by the mercy of God, it wasn't, it wasn't failure that couldn't be redeemed right? That's God. In those places, Hagar, Ishmael, redeemed. You know, like he redeems everything in the midst of crushing you from those places of getting to where you need to be. And and, and from that promise, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm really getting that promise until four years ago. So it's been, it's been 18 years from that promise, you know, and it's because it took a lot for me to, to get crushed. I was hard-headed. And so, yeah. Share a little bit, Brad, about what living for Jesus looks like currently or even the past couple of years. I, I, one of the reasons why I wanted you to shit, be up here was because I know you really value discipleship yeah. in, your, in your business model. What is that or maybe something other? Yeah. So, so I have a, a few companies, and so most of the, the labor is done by subcontractors, so the subcontractors are not in the office. They, they kind of do their own thing. And so I have, I have 10 employees, and so within the office. So I can kind of, being, being the owner, I know, you're like, well, you're the owner. You can do what you want to do. So I know, I know employees have to worry about pursuing the gospel and not getting fired, but owners have to worry about pursuing the gospel and not getting sued. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, it's the same um, in a way. And so, um, so, yeah, how it looks like, and one thing that we, when I started the company, it was 
it was just hearing from God all the time, step by step, always hearing from the God, uh, God and obeying God. And, um, and one of those hearing from the Lord is, I want you to do Bible study and prayer every week, all the time, from the time you start the company until you're not running the companies anymore. And so that's one thing that, that has really been awesome in the midst of that. So every Tuesday morning, so we have we, all believers except for three. So seven people are believers, three are non-believers. And then, and then we have people, the believers, man, you know, they're, they're struggling. We struggle as well, right? And so anyway, in those, and I can share these in a minute, um, these testimonies from, from all those times, but, you know, every, so I made the meeting mandatory. The meetings at 9 a.m. and prayer is at 8.30. So I structured it that way. So you feel like you have to come to prayer <laughs> before, before the meeting. So the cool thing is all of the unbelievers come to prayer and Bible study and the believers. Very rarely does anybody ever come to prayer. And uh, so every week we preach the gospel, we pray we, we ask for prayer requests. We have unbelievers asking for their wives to get jobs, for their children to be um, changed, for all these different kinds of things. And we lay hands on people and we pray and, and uh, preach the gospel every week during that time. Amen. Amen. Now, Annie and Chris, both of you are not business owners, so you're going to give us a unique perspective of what it looks like to be a witness of Jesus in your workplace. Yeah, and I just uh, tie back to part of the earlier conversation. I think about the word favor. You and I were talking about that, and I feel like the Lord has um, given me a unique favor over the last 15 years or so in my business opportunities. But, you know, if you look at Mary, and, and she's called favored one, right? And that favor is also hard really hard. You know, there's times of, of deep humility, times of confusion of what is God doing, but it's, it's all part of his favor. So I think, you know, that, that crushing doesn't mean he didn't have favor on us. That um, dealing with a difficult boss it isn't a sign of God's, of not, not having favor. It's all part of the working out of his favor. And I think that a lot of Jesus's politics, you don't necessarily think that those are things that are going to get you ahead at work, and yet they actually really are. You know, that his, if you really look at what kind of a leader Jesus is, you know, he was bold, bold to share truth when he needed to share truth. He was not worried about his own physical outcome when he shared the truth. That, that is a, a strong trait that has helped me over the years. Um, he was also loving and compassionate and, and thoughtful and caring. He, he was tireless, and yet he advocated for rest when it was appropriate. Those are, those are really important elements of leadership that I think have, have helped me over the years. Um, when it comes to what it, what it physically looks like for me to be a witness of Jesus, I'm, I'm in senior leadership in a, in a software company that is very male-dominated. It's a forensic investigation um, and cybersecurity company. So it, for, until recently, until our new CEO came on board, I was the only woman in senior leadership and have been for a long time. So I get asked 
a lot, and I love it, to mentor people at work. And so, so really what my influence has looked like is discipleship, and I, I love that. So I, I currently meet with about five different people, men and women, across our company in different time zones and from different cultures. And uh, one of them is a believer, the rest are not. So it's an incredible opportunity to just do life on life, you know, to, to, to coach and to encourage and to live out biblical principles. And, you know, it is, it is a regular occurrence for me to get the question, what is the reason for the hope that you have? You know, that passage is just so true. When you, when you walk out your faith with other people, when you live your life with the example of Jesus as a leader, people are drawn to that. People are drawn to his truth and his life. And so they want that. They see a, a gap in their own life and they want that. So it is a regular occurrence to be asked that. And, you know, you mentioned Chris and I trying not to get fired by sharing the gospel. But if someone's going to ask me what's the reason for the hope that you have, buckle up. I'm going to tell you, you know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, there's, there's a quote by someone named Howard Hendricks who was, um, he was on staff at Dallas Theological Seminary. And one of the things that he said is, I'm a full-time preacher. That's my job. If I go to someone and I want to connect with them, then immediately they're a little bit at a defensive because they know that my job is I'm a professional Christian. And one of the things that he said is, you actually, as someone in the workplace, you have an advantage. And the reason why is because you can come to them on, as a peer right? Um, so my last four jobs have all been in some capacity involved with teaching salespeople. And one of the things that I really wondered about is, Lord, why do you want me to learn these sales skills? Um, there was one point in time in my career in which I was part of a hyper-growth tech company that we had amazing people, very gifted people on staff. We had people who had won the Guinness Book of World Records for content creation and social marketing. And one of the things that I kept on thinking to myself was, we are spending $10 million in budget employing hundreds of people to do something that fundamentally has zero spiritual significance, right? Um, so one of the things I started wondering is, how do you apply these skills for the gospel? And I did a lot of different things. One pilot that I ran was, and the reason, I, very, I feel very strongly that the Lord asked me to share this, but you don't need to be a professional minister to be an evangelist. Um, there was one year in which, as a pilot, what I tried to do is connect with all of the sea level reach out to them, get a meeting with them, and share with them. After I did that, I tried to connect with all of the VPs, so I tried to connect with Annie, if <laughs> Annie worked at this company. After I did that, I bounced around the org chart, checked with all of the senior directors, then all of their directors. So this took about a year for me to run this pilot. Um, in the end, I, I, I connected with around 15% of the C-level, 20% of the VPs, 30% of the directors, but long story short, I was able to go share with almost, I think of tech people as almost like an unreached people group, 
like their identity is in their industry. Um, if you think about people who are like, I work for Apple, I work for Google, it's their identity. It's almost a people group. And so if you are in the workplace right now, you have a powerful opportunity to reach people for the gospel. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure we have time to at least hear like from one powerful story or like maybe like a, a lesson that you of encouragement you want to pass along to us as a congregation. So either a powerful story, testimony, or kind of like like a like a life lesson for emerging or current business folks. I I would I want to encourage you. I feel like we in our Antioch community. I feel like we almost want to package Jesus. We want to, we want, we want our lives to look clean and neat and everything lines up, you know, so that people, when we do share the gospel, it all makes sense. And my encouragement to you is don't package Jesus. Let the truth of your brokenness, what thing, what goes wrong, what isn't right, the disease, the hurt, the pain, let the people that you're sharing the gospel with see the truth of your brokenness. And despite your brokenness, Christ is your love and your redeemer. Because that's what people who don't know Jesus need. Thanks, that's really good, DJ. Ah! Brad, you got to take off your shoes, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, I, have a, I have a lot of testimonies. I'm just trying to feel, figure out what to share. So I guess, I guess I'll share um, this one because it's kind of one of the latest ones that were, was kind of powerful. So in, in January, late January, I hired a, a new salesperson. So this, uh, this guy came on. He, was, he had not been to church ever. He had not opened his Bible ever. He, he d- didn't know anything. And I, you know, in America, you really think like, well, you've been to church once maybe, or you've opened the Bible or whatever. I mean, I think he only knew of David and Goliath, basically, um, the story. And so, anyway, he, he's coming to prayer the first, uh, the first few weeks. He's not saying anything. He, he's just listening. I can uh, see him listening. And then we, uh, I take him on a, a, a training trip, a sales training trip to Ohio. So it's just me and him. We fly to Ohio. We rent a car. We uh, get in the car we're talking about different stuff, but then I'm like, okay, um, he, he asked me, so like, you know, I've never been in a company that does prayer and Bible study. Um, what's, what's that all about? And so I, I, I get to share my testimony with him. So for the, the car ride and we get to Applebee's before we get to the hotel and, and in Applebee's. So for the next two hours, I'm, I'm sharing my testimony, and his face is, is just like, his mouth is wide open. He, he can't believe it. 
He can, see, he can see the realness of it. He can see everything that's happened. And he's just like, man, that makes me want to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's exactly what he just said. Come on. That's what he said. And he's like, I, I don't think he's saved yet. And, and so anyway, long story short, we come back from the trip. He's, he's um, first week in prayer and Bible study. He says, I have a prayer request. I'm like, uh-oh. And, and then he's like, he's like, can we pray like my, my sister and brother-in-law are in a horrible situation and they just need to start following Jesus? Wow. And I, I was like, I wanted to say, are you following Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say that. And so he, he begins to tell me after that meeting, I'm going to Providence Church. My, my two-year-old loves it. Um, my, my wife loves it. And, and thank you. I just, I'm looking forward to being in this company. Amen. That's exactly what he said. For Amen. That. That's like generations for that family. That's amazing. That's so good. Um, I really debated about what to share. And so I think because of what TJ said, I think I'm going to tack on this little story because I think there's so much truth to that. Um, you know, if, if we try to go about our professional lives pretending to be perfect little Christians with perfect little lives. Um, it, it does not. It weakens our ability to have an authentic testimony. So um, a couple of years ago, we had a, a leadership coup, and it sounds like something out of a soap opera, and it really was. It was, it was really, and I feel comfortable talking about it because it made the news. So that was exciting, a real point of pride for our company. But yeah, so we had a couple of senior leaders that tried to overthrow our CEO. And there were a couple of us that came under their fire as well. So a colleague of mine and myself were, were targets of this group as well. And they were looking for ways to get rid of us, to get us fired. Um, and it was a really uh, refining time and I, was, I spent a lot of time angry about it. Um, if you know me at all, you know I do a lot of conversations in my head with those people, just winning right and left, you know. But I, it, was, it was one of those times when I felt like God audibly told me that I had to let it go. So Craig and I were talking this morning about Matthew 20, about the, um, the workers in the vineyard, and this notion that work is a gift, that, that Jesus has called us to his work, and it is not for us to decide how much the other people are paid. It is for us to put our feet to the plow and to do what God has given us to do, and to do it well and to do it in a way that honors him. And, you know, if you want to negotiate for a different price at the beginning, more power to you, but I don't need to be looking around at what other people have, and it's not fair, and I should have this, and it's not fair. And I feel like that just opened up the door for me to... Um, just walk in truth, you know, to do the work that he gave me to do, to do it well, and to bring about a testimony that pointed back to him. And it was really hard. I would say that that period stretched over the course of a year when I was uncertain as to whether or not I was going to still have a job there. But it opened up so much fertile ground for God to be the one that got the glory for it and for people to ask me, why did you stay? Why did you, you know, keep on? And to be able to, to um, yeah, to talk about work as a gift, to talk about an opportunity to, um, to see God's favor work out through me. And I will tell you that 
that testimony, that ability to just grind it out, to be who God made me to be no matter what happened, um, has given me so much favor now. It's sort of like that whole, you know, 25 years, 20 years, whatever. Now, the impact that I have, the influence that I have across a far greater swath of people is, it's, it, it's by God's grace that I have that, and it's because I really firmly believe that he told me to just let it go, to lay it down, and to obey and do as he called me to do. Yeah. Amen. Never been part of a leadership coup, but uh, <laughs> I love how we're sharing about authenticity, and I think step one is, can we get Jesus inside of us to the place where the Bible and Jesus has become flesh within our lives, and it's natural for us. It's naturally flowing out. So that's step one. And then step two is, can we present that just through authentic means through the people that we interact with in the workplace? So I want to share um, a story about being authentic. Um, so around a month and a half ago, I was partying with executives on a yacht in the Caribbean. And that sounds ridiculous, and it is. Like that, that, so, so, so it, the, the, the story behind this is um, when you go to an event like this and you're an executive, people are trying to curry your favor the entire time. They are, they're trying to get, and they, the executives can tell right, that like you're blowing smoke up, um, and so I, yeah, I should have said a different phrase, but, <laughs> but, so I was connecting with this, this uh, senior vice president who is one of the most powerful people in the company, and um, it's like this like yacht experience where, you know, and then he's just trying to connect with me, and I started, he just, asked me how I was and anything new in my life. And I started talking to him about how I was, um, the biggest project I was working on, and the thing that was exciting me the most personally was growing in my ability to hear the Lord. And I started sharing with him about how I had experienced um, a lot of trauma in my life and how that had forced me to really understand what God's perspective was on some of the things that I was experiencing. And how I had spent months and months and months trying to hone and learn this skill. And then if you're a senior vice president and you're used to people currying your favor all the time, he talked with me about 20 minutes and I started talking to him about my issues and my challenges and how my hope was in something that was, something that was really not of this world, right? Um, we talked for 20 minutes he leaves, he comes back to me that night at dinner, and then he says, I'm still thinking, I want you to know that I'm still thinking about what you shared with me earlier today, and that it's just resonating in my brain. So it's an example of, can we internalize Jesus to the place where word becomes flesh within us, and then two, can we just naturally, can we just like not block it? It should just come out. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for these guys? Thank you guys for sharing. We're going to do this. Everyone stand up.
Yeah, our worship team, could. we're going to wrap things up. And how many of you have a job? Okay, so we're going to commission just about every one of you this morning in the marketplace. And I'm, I want to ask that if you're on the panel, please stay up front. I want to have you guys pray, pray for people. And, of course, if you're an elder, we'd love to have you come pray for others as well. But this, we're going to wrap things up by, by just offering up an invitation to receive prayer uh, to, for empowerment in the workplace. And all of us really raised our hands. So you can stay where you're at or you can come to the front. But really the invitation is like, hey, I, I, number one, one, I just I want to experience grace in my workplace if maybe there's disappointment. Maybe there's just, it's, it's not the most ideal situations. We want to pray for you. We want you to feel the presence of God. But secondly, uh, you, you heard from, from these people some of the, the consecration, how they dedicated their job. So you, 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 you may be here and going, I've never thought like that. I've never viewed my job as a ministry. And I just want to commit that to the Lord. I want to consecrate that to the Lord. And we want to pray for you. We want to bless you. And then lastly, um, there's really an invitation to hear the word of the Lord. If there was one emphasis that I, I, I kept hearing from each of these four people is that the Word of God was hidden in their hearts. I mean, it was just oozing out of you guys. It was David this, Abraham that, Mary this, and quoting the Scriptures. And we just want to pray over you. Maybe it's a Word of the Lord. Because you're going to need the Word of the Lord if you maybe you're in that Christian season. You're going to need the Word of the Lord if you're in a situation where your boss is yelling at you. So what we're going to do right now, guys, I just want to invite, if you want prayer for any of that right now, I just want to invite you to come to the front. Our panel, some of our leaders, they just want to bless you. They want to lay hands on you guys. They want to minister to you. And uh, we want to see you commissioned this morning. We want you to own your ministry, own your vocation for the glory of God. Amen. Let's worship.